What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the sporadic podcast where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head. But mostly role-playing games, because they let you play in the amazing worlds of fiction of all types. What's going on, everybody? It's been a minute. Almost a week. How's everybody doing? Hope you're all well. Uh, Yeah, it's... (laughs) I feel like it's been longer than a week, but I checked. My last episode was published on October 15th of 2023, and this one will get published, I don't know, on the 21st or 22nd. So anyway, man, I hope everybody's doing well. Yeah, I've just been, I've been reading a ton, which we'll talk about. I've been raking a bunch of leaves uh, which has been really fun. This is my first house as an adult that I've lived in where I need to rake up leaves. So that's been fun. Uh, my neighbor has this huge, beautiful black oak tree that has all these tiny leaves on it. And they all fall into my front yard. And it's awesome. <laughs> I fill up these big old yard waste containers every week with these tiny little leaves. If they were like maple leaves or regular oak leaves or something... You would get bigger piles because I can get a big pile of leaves going, but not big enough to jump in like when I was a kid, you know. Yeah, growing up on the East Coast, that was fun. We'd rake leaves and then me and my sister would jump in the big piles and stuff. Good times, man. So, yeah, we'll talk about some games, too. I've been playing games. I've played in, shit, a handful of games. I played some Call of Cthulhu, Night of the Ninja, Wrath of the Righteous. And that's it. (laughs) And that's it since last we talked. We'll talk about all that too. But first, let's get into some calls. This first call is from Jason. He's going to touch on my last episode, which was episode 479, Backstory Boys. That was the one where I played a bunch of messages from a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, of folks talking about backstories and stuff. So yeah, Jason's going to talk about that, and then we'll get into it. Let's go. Hey, Joe. Jason here. Enjoyed listening to your year-old call episode. Very cool. I think there were some interesting responses in there. You know, not to drag up the whole backstory thing again, you're not wrong that when we talk about first-level characters that they have, they're not just a a 17-year-old farmer who picks a sword up and goes in dungeons. Right. And it, well, I, I guess maybe it depends on the game. I'm sure there are some games out there that do that. You know, there are some OSR games where you do just get gold for, or you do, do just get experience for gold. You know, they're not the original games. Um, they're, they're sad, pale copies, but you know, those games are out there. Um, but when we look at backstories, well, no, let me back up. When we look at the experience level of our first level characters, and, and here I'm talking about, TSR D&D, right? When we look at that, those characters do indeed have training. They've they've trained, they've learned things, they're proficient with certain weapons. Even your magic user has been trained and is proficient with a a weapon, and they've been trained by spells. We know they've been under apprenticeship. You know, no doubt some of that apprenticeship probably sent them out in the world at some point. The fighters, no doubt, have had some kind of, you, you know, field experience, right? I I think the idea that, oh, yeah, they might have killed a dragon and, 
and oh, I, I think that's kind of silly. And I think these grandiose backstories that some people look at are kind of silly. But I approach the game differently. So for me, the game isn't about the characters. It's about the world. And and it's it's emergent, and it's the story of the world as it unfolds. The player party is the the eyes we're seeing the world through. Characters in the player party come and go as they die or are replaced. Players come and go. PCs come and go. And maybe even switch to a whole different party and then view the world from a different angle, right? But it's the world, the unfolding story of the world, the emergent play that's important when we're talking about old school play. It's not about character goals or any of that. So it's a different mindset. There's nothing wrong with playing a game where it's all about character goals. And in that case, that character backstory is so much more important. But when we talk about the older games and you you look at things like the fantasy adventure game concept, then it's really not about the characters, and the backstory really, honestly, isn't relevant when you come down to it. But it, it all depends on the kind of play and, and the style game that you're playing. So I, I think it's an interesting topic, and I'm curious to see if anybody else calls in. Well, no, nobody else called in. <laughs> I thought maybe we'd get some calls too, but nope, <laughs> that's all right. It's been about a week. So, yeah, man, it, it, it comes down to different styles of play. You know, when I was playing back in the day, when we were playing Merp, it was, you know, our characters were the main characters in the story. And so that was my first experience with gaming. And so that's how I look at it, you know. Like with Wrath of the Righteous, the story was about the characters as much as it was about the world and it was about the characters interaction with the world because that's where the interesting stuff happens is when the characters interact with the world because if the story is just about the world you can just sit down with your friends and play microscope you know and build a world right it's about the characters interactions with that world where the the drama happens, the excitement happens, the scares happen. That's 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 the crux of it right there. So yeah, man, like it it's you know <laughs> it it doesn't matter as long as everybody's having fun cuz like you pointed out even in those old school games there is a backstory implied to your character. They they did go somewhere to train how to use this sword or this shield or this armor or cast these certain spells. So you can ignore that if you want to, or you can dive into that because it is inherent in your character that there is a backstory there. They don't come out of the void. As you pointed out, they're not just a kid who picks up a sword and goes off. They have some, some training They've been studying somewhere. There is a backstory there somewhere to unpack. So, yeah, it's just all about how deep into it you want to drill. But that was, you know, I'm glad you, Jason, got a kick out of that. I got a kick out of that episode with a bunch of old calls. So, yeah, man, thank you for that. And then up next, we got our buddy Colin Green, old Spike Pit himself. He's calling in to talk about recommendations because he recommended a podcast to me a while back, a few weeks ago, with, with Alan Moore. And I actually listened to it. <laughs> so yeah, Spike Bit, take it away, dude. Thanks, Jason. Oh, Joe, how you doing? How stoked was I to hear that both yourself and Spencer followed up on the podcast recommendation that I shared with you 
guys. Um, Alan Moore, I believe it is. Little did I know that Spencer was a big fan. And the reason I'm calling is because I find it so satisfying to hear that people have followed up on a recommendation. So often you get a kind of throwaway, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll look into that. But when you discover that they've maybe gone down a bit of a rabbit hole or, or, or really enjoyed your recommendation, for me, it doesn't get a lot better than that. So awesome stuff. Keep up the good work as always, Joe. And, um, yeah, I'm still out there listening, mate. Take care and I'll catch you later. Well, thank you for that call and thanks for listening, dude. Yeah, man. I mean, recommendations, they open up such different stuff, man. And I just, whenever I get a recommendation from somebody that I like and, you know, I I want to check those things out because, as I said, they just open up all these new horizons. You know, Spike Pitt, you were the one who introduced me to the author, uh... Robert McFarlane, the guy who wrote <clears throat> The Old Ways and Underland, A Deep Time Journey. Those are awesome books that I never would have come across without you talking about them. So <laughs> thank you for that. And thank you for that podcast recommendation about Alan Moore. Yeah, that was really interesting. And so to carry on with this recommendation talk, two episodes back, so episode... 478 which was butt stuff where i talked about colonoscopy at the end of that episode there was a message from joe salvador the raven god and he was calling in to give me recommendations for a couple of books and so he recommended the only good indians and the rivers of london series that episode was published on october 8th which coincidentally happened to be my dad's birthday so hooray um but in that time, it so it's now currently, as I record this, it's the 21st of October. So in less than two weeks, I have read nine books, <laughs> all based on that recommendation from Joe Salvador. So the first book I read was The Only Good Indians, which I, I've talked about this with some friends, but not on the show. So I, I got confused a little bit and I had to scrub back through some of my uh, my last two episodes to make sure I hadn't talked about this book already, but I really, really recommend the only good Indians. It is bleak. It's, it's horror. It's, it's a horror novel set on a native American reservation written by a native American guy. It is bleak, bleak horror. Uh, it, it's really, really good, man. I got the author does such a good job of setting the scene of what life is like on a native American reservation here in the States. And yeah, spoiler alert, it's not pretty, (laughs) but then on top of that, there is other horror stuff going on and it's really, I really, really enjoyed it. I didn't think it was, I, I didn't think it was perfect. I had some quibbles about it, some small quibbles, but we won't get into those here. Uh, but I really, really recommend it. The Only Good Indians. I, I don't have the author's name in front of me right now, so sorry about that. But yeah, that's what it's called. The Only Good Indians. Highly, highly recommended. The other eight books I've read 
have been the first eight books in the Rivers of London series. And when I say the first eight books, I mean the first eight novels. I'm not, there's a bunch of spinoff novels that have come out later that the author Ben Aronovich has put out. Um, I haven't started reading those, but I just today finished book eight of the series. And as of now, there are 10 novels in the series that are out, at least out on audiobook. I also know that there are, there's a graphic novel. Uh, Rivers of London graphic novel that's out there. <laughs> there are more spinoff novels coming, uh, more spinoff novellas, probably a TV series down the line somewhere. It's, <clears throat> I, I can't recommend these books enough. They are fantastic. They too have some small things that kind of annoy me, but there was only one major, well, there's two things. <laughs> It's hard to talk about it, right? I love this series. The narrator is friggin' genius. He does a great job, except he does a terrible American accent. But yeah, so if you don't know, which most of you might already know about, but I'll talk about it in general terms. So Rivers of London is a modern day sort of almost noir, but not quite noir feeling uh, detective cop story set in England about this one cop, Peter, uh, and all the things that go around in the crazy world of modern day England. It's, it's, it's great, man. The author does such an amazing job of picking up loose threads and tying them off later on. It's amazing. Like eight books in, there are still things that little things from book one that get tied back into book eight where you're like, ah, shit. (laughs) And you see these connections and and it's, it's amazing, man. So I haven't read a ton of urban fantasy. It's urban fantasy, right? I've, I've only read two other bits of urban fantasy I read the first handful of Dresden novels and I read the Iron Druid Chronicles, which I don't know if anyone out there has ever read. These were weird books that I've never heard anyone else talk about. I might have talked about them on this show before. But yeah, so those are the three modern urban fantasy books that I've series that I've read. And yeah, Rivers of London is definitely my favorite of the urban fantasy that I've read so far. I, I friggin' love it. I love the characters. I love that it's set in England instead of over here in the States. Cause to set a modern day cop supernatural story here in the States, it would be full of guns and people getting shot and guns and guns and guns and guns and guns. And that's all it would be. And that's why that's why I really like it being set in England, because it's not a culture obsessed with guns. It's it's just different reading cop stories from there as opposed to here in the States. It's totally different. And I just I like it better, man. (laughs) I'm I'm not going to lie. I like the culture that isn't obsessed with guns. Uh, 
I, you know, whenever I talk like this, I'm scared that people will think like I hate guns and everybody with guns sucks. I don't hate guns. I just hate our country's, my country's obsession with guns. Our government's obsession with guns. Ah, I fucking hate it. <laughs> so it's nice and refreshing reading a, stories about a police force that isn't focused on guns. Though there are guns in the series, they pop up from time to time. And when they do, it's a big deal because it's like, holy shit, it's a friggin' gun here. And it, it it's awesome. I really, really like these books. I, this is the first time in years that I've actually spent money on audiobooks because I get a couple free credits every month from Audible uh, due to my subscription. Plus, I had compiled a bunch of older credits that I hadn't used. And Audible used to have a policy where you can return a book and exchange it for another book. But now they've really curtailed that policy. You can only do it like once every so often. So I've actually had to pay money for a few of these books instead of just using my credits on Audible. And I think it's worth it, man. I think it's absolutely worth it. They're a great series. There's a ton of RPG references. This guy, Ben Aronovich, would be an awesome dude to have a beer with. You can tell he's a super gamer. He talks about Call of Cthulhu. He talks about Dungeons and Dragons, party builds. and so he's, It's just great. There's a couple times where he actually, the main character, Peter, sits down to play some RPGs with other people. Uh, which is pretty crazy. He plays the Firefly board game at one time. Um, it's, it, yeah, like I said, it's really, really cool. I am pretty curious because having just finished the eighth book, it was published in February of 2020. So right before the pandemic, right at the very start of the pandemic, which means it was probably written a little bit before the pandemic started. And these later books, books seven, eight, six, seven, eight or so, they are all very much set in their time, right? Like in this last book, there are references to Twitter. There's references to Elon Musk. Um, there's references to the Tesla automobile. You know, there's a lot of references that really set the story firmly in the late 20 teens to the early 2020s. So I'm very curious to read book nine, which will have been written probably maybe I'm guessing during the pandemic and to see if the author Ben Aronovich works it into the story. We'll see, man. That's one thing I am a little worried about these books is how they'll age because the, the first several of them aren't as rooted so heavily into their specific time period as these later ones seem to be. So yeah, man, I don't know. But again, I really very highly recommend Rivers of London by Ben Aronovich and uh, The Only Good Indians because The Only Good Indians is an awesome awesome horror story it is october so uh yeah man i recommend all these books and reading nine books in two weeks whoo man 
that's kind of all I've done. Okay, so The Only Good Indians is written by Stephen Graham. That is the author's name. Stephen Graham. Good for me. So yeah, Spike Pit, I agree. Recommendations from your friends are awesome. Folks out there, when somebody says, hey, check this thing out. Try your best to check it out. You know, I know we're all busy. We all do a lot of things, you know, like it's all about balancing time and everything. But yeah, you never know what you're going to find when your buddy is like, hey, look at this thing over here. You'll be like, oh, shit, that's awesome. Or you'll be like, yeah, that's kind of lame. Not for me. Anyway, man, (laughs) thank you for that call, Colin. Now let's get into some gaming talk. Because like I said, the Rivers of London books are steeped in RPG references and lore and everything. At <laughs> In the eighth book, at one point, Peter, the main character, says to himself, Oh man, I really hope I make my sanity check. <laughs> and that's freaking awesome. Because you think about it, if you're living in the modern world and magic is real... You're going to have all these references in your mind while you're doing magic shit. It's yeah, they're they're fucking fun. They're awesome. They're all none of them are too terribly long. So, yeah. Check them out. Anyway, let's talk games. <laughs> wow, that was a long one. All right. Yeah, so in the past week, uh I've played a couple games since last time I talked to you folks. I played a session of Night of the Ninja, ran by Jason, which was super fun. I played in a session of Call of Cthulhu 6th Edition, ran by Anthony Runeslinger. That was interesting, man. So I'm in that, I'm playing a... It's set in the 1930s. I'm playing uh, like a freelance photographer like crime scene photographer true crime photographer and we're investigating some stolen books and now a really weird murder and our dudes have just gotten jumped by a couple big ass dudes and some crazy stuff happened to us that was fun man (laughs) i've never played the only call of cthulhu i've ever played is 7th edition, so it was interesting to see the differences. Um, there, there aren't many, right, in the grand scheme of things. 6th uh, edition still has luck. It still has idea rolls that you can make. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it has penalty dice, though, and the, the stats are a little bit different, but it was super easy to figure out how to play and everything. Anthony made me a pre-generated character, which I really appreciated, and yeah, that was fun. We'll pick back up with that some on another day and see where that investigation leads us, which will be interesting. There is a chance, I think, that they might get released on Anthony's YouTube channel. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, I like I said, I got a face for radio. But... Um, I also haven't talked about our last Wrath of the Righteous session, which at this time has been over a week. Uh, and that was that was a really fun <laughs> session. They're, they're grinding their way. The party is in the midst of the Ivory Sanctum. They had just killed Jerebeth 
And now they're on their way to find Xanthir Vang. And so basically now the party is fighting their way through the Ivory Sanctum. They're not taking time really to loot the bodies or to explore the full thing. They're on a mission right now, which that's I fully get that. And it makes a lot of sense because if you think about it, they teleported in. The party teleported in to the Ivory Sanctum, killed a bunch of Blackfire adepts, these evil spellcasting cultists, killed some of them, got taken to the big boss lady killed her and now the whole hive the whole ivory sanctum is alive and ready to fight um <laughs> yeah man you remember the last time i talked about our wrath of the righteous session i talked about how chester our cavalier got an over 200 point over 200 hit point hit in on jerabeth which finished her off and so the dice gods they they remember <laughs> The dice gods remember because at one point during a fight with some of the Templars of the Ivory Labyrinth, which are the more martial end of the Ivory Labyrinth defenders, and they all have glaives, which are pole arms with reach. Chester got crit for like almost 90 points, which took him down to like five hit points or so. The party is burning through resources. They're being good about conserving but you can only conserve so much man when someone's about to die they're still about to die even if you're not almost at the big bad and there's not going to be any time for sleeping or resting or anything like that it's just it's freaking go time right the whole ivory sanctum is active they know that the party is there and we're gonna see what happens next man we're gonna the next session they should probably meet up with Xanthir Van. And it's going to be... <laughs> it's going to be a wild fight, man. It's going to be wild. It could... It will... It's going to be a wild fight. Part of... Yeah, I'll talk about it afterwards. Why? But that's where we're at. We're almost finished with the Ivory Sanctum, which is the end of the third book of the Wrath of the Righteous Adventure Path, which means we're about halfway through, which is cool because February, this coming February, at time of recording, it's October, this coming February will be our two-year anniversary. So it'll be nice to be over halfway done before we hit two years. <laughs> Good for us. Hooray! Um, that means another four years to go, maybe three, and we'll be finished. <laughs> So, yeah, 2025, 2026, well, well, no, because that'll be 2024. So, yeah, 2027, damn, dude, Richter Con 2020X, man, it's going to be in the late 2020s. We'll see. We'll see. Crazy, though. But it was a really fun session. The party is working together, you know, as best as they can, and hopefully... They really come together as a cohesive team against Xanthir Vang because if they, you know, if they're playing like individuals and not playing like a team, it might go poorly for them. So we'll have to see what happens. And I'm excited for the next update for Wrath of the Righteous because I don't know, man. You never know what the dice are going to do. I never know what the players are going to do. They don't know what I'm going to do. 
it's all a big, crazy, mysterious conundrum until the dice hit the table. And that's when true heroes are forged. Woohoo! It's going to be awesome. Anyway, let me get out of here. That's all the stuff I got to talk to you about, talk about to you today. So yeah, let me get out of here. Thank you so much to Jason and Colin for your awesome messages. I really appreciate it, boys. I love hearing from folks. And thank you all out there for putting up with the sporadic podcast whenever they come out and just listening to my rambles. You know, we, as I mentioned earlier, we all have a bunch of stuff that we do that takes up time in our days. So I appreciate you spending some time with me. That's really cool. And it means a lot to me. So thank you. And yeah, that's, that's really it. Now I got to decide if I'm picking up book nine. I think I probably will. I have problems. I think I probably will, though. Oh, man. I do have the novella for River, Rivers of London that comes out between book six and book seven. So maybe I'll read that. But I'll probably just pick up books nine and ten and just do it, man. Oh, that's it. At time of recording, tomorrow, I'm running my mini session of... 1930s soldiers versus a Shoggoth. That's going to be fantastic. I can't wait for that. That's going to be really, really fun. So the next time we uh, get together on here, I will tell you all how that went. And until then, folks, thank you again. Y'all mean a lot to me. And I hope you're taking care of yourself. I hope you're taking care of other folks. And until next time, peace. Out. Okay, so at the end of book eight, after the book ends, there's an interview with the author, Ben Aronovich, and the narrator, Komar Holbrook-Smith. I think that's his name. Um, and so it turns out a lot of these books were written, I think, in the early 2010. So I don't think he's going to touch on the pandemic at all. I was dumb in thinking that he wrote the book like a year before it was published. That was, I don't know what I was thinking. But yeah, so apparently, according to the author, the first four books are set in 2012. And so the last book is probably set in 2015-ish, I think maybe 2014 around there and i think they were all being written in the early 2010s you know maybe <clears throat> so yeah i don't think we're gonna see the pandemic at all which is for the best honestly anyway i just wanted to get that in there before i put this episode out take it easy peace out